You are Locked On Horn Frogs. Your daily podcast on the TCU Horn Frogs. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. It is in progress. Welcome to Locked On Horn Frog. Your daily TCU podcast. I'm Stephen Simcox, your host. And joining me as always on a Monday, Matt Jennings. And hey, we can talk about a win this weekend, which is a good thing. The Frogs, they take down Texas Tech 52 to 31. And uh, I think there's some interesting things to unpack from that game. It felt like a couple wins they had last year um, in, in the style they went about it. But first, Matt, I'll say let's let's start with positive. So biggest positive takeaway or uh, something that you felt like this team could actually build on moving forward that came out of that game against Texas Tech on Saturday night? Yeah, I felt like this was a get-right game for the offensive line um, and for the offensive game plan in general. Um, to your point, I don't – you know, this felt very reminiscent of what they did in the back half of the schedule last year when they were playing some – some not amazing competition and they were able to kind of actually do what they really want to do on offense, which is like really run the ball with authority and then use that to set up deep shots and play action and all of it. Um, uh, or at least do more of that. And they really got to, you know, you saw that in the run pass splits, Max Duggan threw 10 passes, they, um, but they, um, uh, uh, meanwhile, Kendra Miller and, and Zach Evans both ran for a hundred plus yards Um and so, yeah, they, they got to do exactly what they wanted in that start with the offensive line. I don't think Texas Tech's defense in general, or the defensive line specifically, are very good at all. But um, when you face that kind of competition, you should take advantage of it. And TCU's offensive line did that. They were opening up, um, and they were, they were uh, opening up good lanes for Miller and for Evans all game. Um, and then they both were just like taking advantage of it and, and being explosive and doing the things that they're, that they're good at. So, um, uh, and Duggan was on target when he, he didn't get asked to throw much, but when he did, he was super accurate. That one throw um, to Darius Davis in the first half, um, uh, you know, out of, out, of, out of a five wide set, um, it was on a dime. It was, it, it was in stride. It was great. Sets up a touchdown a few, a couple of days, a couple of plays later, it was great. So um, yeah, I think, offensively that was everything you could have asked for from a, from you know I've got some nitpicks as always but I think on, on the whole like that's that's exactly what you wanted from TCU's offense in that game against that specific opponent um knowing the, the mismatches that you had there yeah the running game was incredible and Tech never really slowed it down until it was obvious that that was all they were going to do you know in the fourth quarter uh and they brought some pressure and were able to get but even Kendra Miller had that touchdown run that sealed it about four minutes left. And that was in that part of the game as well. Um, okay. So I want to talk Max Duggan, but I, I want to play a game first. So Matt, Love games. give me, uh, what do you think is the best game of Max Duggan's career so far? Like, tell me what game it is. Oh, was. the best game. The best game he's like, played. Yeah. Um, is this my, is this my opinion or you have a, you have a specific one in mind? No, this is just your opinion. I just want, there's, I want you to give me a game that I'm going to look up like. Sure. What happened in that game? Um, I think, <laughs> um, I think I would either go with, I think I would go with the Texas game in 2020. Um, 
that was the first game I remember being like, oh man, he put like two halves of good football together. Um, I don't feel like he actually threw the ball super well in that game, but that would probably be my first one. Or, or like um, Kansas, either of the past two years, I feel like he carved them up both times. Let's say Kansas 2020 as well. Um, so those okay. would be my, the two that I would pick. The one, that's, the one that I thought of first was Texas 2020. And he did have a good day passing the ball. 20 of 30, 231 yards, no touchdowns. Averaged seven yards per completion. He also had 79 yards on the ground and had two touchdowns rushing. So yeah, was, and like the game clinching, like uh touchdown on the ground, like late in the game. Yeah. Yes. Um, Kansas, I know what game you're talking about. I feel like he only threw the ball like six times. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I'm I'm looking up the box score right now, but that was that was uh the touchdown to Carter Ware. He threw that one. I think he had one to Pro Wells in that game too. Like the top Pro Wells. Game, yeah. They scored 59 points. Uh, he attempted. He was three of 11 for 96 yards, <laughs> but three touchdowns. So all That's what I remember. Yes, I couldn't remember his, which game it was. The three. It was only three completions, but three touchdowns. My point being, and I mean, I could I could do this for a while. Another one I thought of was Oklahoma State last year, um, and I felt like they threw the ball a lot more in that game than they did down the stretch in any other game in the season. But yesterday uh, he threw the ball 10 times and he was efficient. And I think he threw, I think he had one pass attempt in the second half. Um, And that throw to Darius Davis was great. And he uh, had a nifty play getting the ball to Quincy Brown. Hello, Quincy Brown. Welcome to, uh, welcome to the party on on that touchdown pass. But I don't know how to articulate this. So I'm just going to kind of ramble until I get to a question. I would love it. Which is always great. Um, we're talking about a guy that's made 20 some odd starts now. He's in his third year. So in your mind, what is more egregious or what is the biggest, what is the bigger problem <laughs> that the coaching staff should take responsibility for? Is it that you have a, a quarterback in his third season, the middle of his third season, and you still don't feel comfortable letting him throw the football more than 10 times in a game? Or is it that um, you're just not developing this guy and holding him back to a point where your best chance to win is just to run the ball a million times in a game? And I know the run game was successful, but I just feel like there's got to be some middle ground between not giving Zach Evans touches and then what they did on Saturday where they just took the ball completely out of the air. Yeah. It's, I think, I think you're, you're onto something here that I hadn't really thought about, which is like how indicative of it, of, of, of his career to this point that you have trouble placing like, Oh yes. Like this is the definitive max duggan game right where Mm. you know everything came together and like i said the texas game is the one that i think of and like he didn't he was reasonably efficient but like seven yards per completion is not a lot (laughs) um and um and like you know so so absolutely i see what you mean there i think it's a i think it's a combination of just like 
his skill set doesn't it doesn't it doesn't mesh with what they want to do because Gary I think has always really liked the flexibility that having a, a a dual threat quarterback offers but I'm not sure he's ever put a staff together that knows how to really take advantage of it um so like obviously you had Trevon Boykin um in the early years of Cumbia Meacham who they ran they ran some leftover zone read and speed option stuff from the old offense but like Meacham and Cumbia didn't install any of that they just like oh like everyone on the on the roster already knows how to run this so like we'll just run it because they're comfortable with it and also like Boykin's just like Houdini sometimes and can and just like make something out of nothing sometimes and and that's great um but like uh they've never been I don't think in any iteration of the staff in the time in the big 12 have they like known really what they want to do with like a true dual threat quarterback um and they also just to be frank you know and some of the, a lot of this is on Sonny Cumbie um I don't think it's all on him uh, but a lot of it is they just haven't done a good job developing the quarterbacks that they have recruited, whether that was Sean Robinson, whether that was Max Duggan, whether that was Justin Rogers, you know, whether that was Brandon Wooten, <laughs> I'm just digging deep now. Um, and so, yeah, I think it's an indictment of the staff to, to get back to actually answering your question. I think it's an indictment of the staff that um, they have not been able to develop any, not just Max, any quarterback um that they handpicked and recruited and brought in and developed from the from the jump they haven't been able to develop any of them to the point where like they feel comfortable putting the game in their hands and they also haven't done a whole lot to put those guys in positions to succeed they have not you know this was true even when sean robinson was was the starter in 2018 like this insistence on we talked about it last week this is like they're like super risk averse and so like they really they don't want to throw to the middle of the field um they only want to throw outside the numbers because like lower risk of turnovers there it's either going to be incomplete or it's going to be a big play um they want to run the ball a lot but also they don't want to run the ball with their quarterback uh too much because they don't want them to get banged up it's like okay like y'all gotta pick who you are on offense um and and they you know, and so you have these competing philosophies, whether that's Meacham and Cumbie or uh, Meacham and Jerry Kill or whoever. Um, and they just like haven't, they haven't had a coherent identity since, since 2018, since 2017, when they, you know, went to the Big 12 title game. So um, I'm now giving a rambling answer to your rambling question, but I think that's appropriate. But no, yeah, I think it's, I think it's a combination of both. But yeah, I, I think it's, they have not, Ultimately, if you develop a guy enough, he's going to be able to make plays within whatever scheme you give him um, and, and be, be trustworthy within whatever scheme you give him. And I think Duggan hasn't reached that point where it's like, regardless of what they're calling, I, I, I have faith that something good is going to happen because he's the guy you're putting the ball in there in his hands. Um, he's not at that point. And I think, yeah, I think that's, an, that's not a great sign for how well they've been developing their quarterbacks. It's not a good quality for a podcast host to have, but I, I really don't know how to describe how I feel about it or exactly what my fully formed opinion is. I just, you know, in, in a lot of ways, like giving the ball to Zach Evans and Kendra Miller is a good thing, 
that that should be the basis of the offense. Right. And like, that's what we had been like begging yes. them to do for four yes. weeks. So like, we sound yes. like very, very hypocritical for like being critical for, for being, um, uh, for being, um, turning up our noses at the fact that they would do that for a whole game and it went really, really well, you know? Yeah. I'm being a Karen. Like I want to talk to the manager <laughs> still, but I just know, like, I know what they did last night. It's not going to work against Oklahoma. And I mean, I don't know what will work against Oklahoma, given their history of the last five or six years against that team. Um, and it that doesn't matter to Gary Patterson last night. And you could you could argue, like, they didn't have Quentin Johnson healthy. They were missing some guys on the offensive line. The priority in that game just had to be find a way to win and get on the bus or the plane back to Fort Worth. And I would I would be okay with that if I felt like that was a one-off thing that they did in that situation but it's it's becoming a trend of okay well we can just run the ball on these guys and that's all we'll do and um yeah I don't know I mean I I think like as I said earlier there's got to be some some balance in between like let's let's make sure the running backs are getting a good workload and also um Max is throwing the football and we still even with all the great things yesterday we still could not get four quarters of Zach Evans yesterday Matt because yeah he was he was dinged up apparently yeah and, and okay now and here's the thing we talked about this last week the idea that maybe Gary wasn't being 100% truthful in terms of why Zach Evans wasn't getting uh, as many carries as a lot of people thought he should have this week, he doesn't get as many carries, but it, it's different in two ways. The first one being, obviously, it didn't matter as much because Kendra Miller was going off, which, shout out to Kendra. Uh, mm-hmm. It's Miller time. Love <laughs> it. Great. Um, so that was the first thing. It, it didn't matter that Evans only carried the ball. I think it ended up being 16 times. Um, so we did carry the ball. It was 17. So we did carry the ball more times than last week. He had two more carries than the previous week. Um, he looked like he was going to blow by it. And then, yeah, in the second half, he, he just, he, he was very, very quiet, um, was on the field very much. Um, but so the first thing is it didn't matter. The second thing is, and this is a media savvy thing that like, Gary, you're, you've been in this job for like 20 plus years. Like you should know how to do this. If Gary, Gary framed it coming out of this game, it's like, oh yeah, to your point, Zach was a little banged up. We, we thought maybe, you know, we might've put him in if we needed to, we didn't feel like we needed to, we didn't want to risk it. So we just let Kendra go and Kendra did great and it's all fine. And nobody complains, right? Cause you won a, and no one's going to sit here and say like, oh, if the guy is hurt, he should go, he should tough. Well, depending on the lift severity of the injury in general, people aren't like, well, he should just he, he should f- fight through every injury. We don't even know what it is, but he should fight through it. Um, in general, people are more understanding of that. That's a media savvy thing that like, honestly, like Gary has no problem lying to the media. Honestly, like, why didn't he say that last week, regardless of whether or not it was true, you know, like he could have just gone up last week. Oh yeah, Zach was a little banged up. So we rotated into some other guys. And we wouldn't have had the whole big conversation about like, is Zach Evans... You know, is he trying to save himself for the NFL or is he, is there a problem with strength and conditioning or are you trying to cover up for play calling? Like, just be like, oh yeah, he's banged up. Like, that's a very easy, it's just like the latest in this series of like unforced errors that Gary is making. 
like he obviously you know just i i covered the guy for years he has no problem lying to the media so like i just don't understand why he he wouldn't have just like made it easy on himself in that particular situation um but um obviously it doesn't matter they 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 win they 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 ran the ball the way that they wanted to um my i was saying i had nitpicks earlier my nitpick is i have i just i cannot fathom i just don't get it i cannot fathom why amari di mercado is getting significant snaps i understand you're up by like three touchdowns in the fourth quarter and so like, this is a nitpick the ball needs to be going to kendra miller or needs to be going to zach evans we saw even DeMarco Foster late, late in the game. Like, I'd love to see more of him, honestly. I just <laughs> – we saw it against Texas. They put uh, Amari in for, for a series, and they immediately go three and out. We saw him, like, run for negative yardage on multiple plays against Texas Tech. You know, he's a great guy to put out there, and, and he's – I'm not trying to, like, throw shade at all. He's a great guy to put out there in garbage time when the game's in hand. Um, when you're on the road at night against Texas Tech where weird stuff happens and they're still fighting to get back into the game, like I would have loved to see Kendra Miller in there instead or Zach Evans in there if he was healthy enough to go. That's my biggest nitpick from the game on offense. Um, but, you know, that's the thing that continually I'm like, you really doing this, y'all? Yeah, the obligatory Amari DiMarcado series once a half. Um, so defensively, they end up giving up 31 points. They played pretty well in the first half, though. Only got up 10 points. Travis Hodges-Tomlinson had a pick six on a tip ball. Uh, do you see this group getting better, Matt? They had a big fourth down stop at the beginning of the half. That was significant. They made some plays when they needed to, but still just a lot of big plays, a lot of uh, a lot of big plays with not much resistance either, like just broken tackles and, and long, long gains. Yeah, well – to answer the first part of your question, yes, I think I've seen some improvement. Um, obviously, getting Kyrie Coleman back the last couple of weeks has been significant. He had that um, he had that sack of Columbia on fourth down to force turnover on downs. Um, had a nice spin move to get to the quarterback. He's looking good. I would love to see him on the field more. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, Trey Hodges Tomlinson just was just great lockdown as usual. I think they found a safety rotation that's a little better with Nuke Bradford and, um, and TJ Carter and uh, Josh Foster. I think they found, I think they're working on it. It's getting better. I think that's all great. The fact that they really have, the thing that's still concerning to me is the, the defensive line is still not getting a ton of push. And then in the back end in the secondary, um, because they keep moving guys around at different positions and because they're still pretty inexperienced on that side of the ball, uh, excuse me, in the back end of the defense. Um, they, the thing I keep seeing is they're taking bad angles to the ball and they're not tackling well. And I've seen that a lot from, especially the younger defensive backs, um, that, uh, that long, uh, well, I guess it was actually kind of like a, a swing pass to, uh, to Sir Roderick Thompson in the second half. Um, where it looks like he's like bottled up for like a three yard gain. Um, and then like three different, four different frogs have a chance to bring him down. And then he ends up to CJ Caesar's credit, he ends up recovering and making a tackle. It's like 40 yards downfield, but D winners misses a chance to make the play. Donovan Collins misses the chance to make the play. Um, 
you know, Jamal Hodge might've been held on the play. So, but like TJ Carter had a chance to make the, like they just, the, the, the poor angles to the ball and the lack of great tackling technique is concerning in particular, just because it's, it's, it's something that's not uh, characteristic of Gary's defenses a lot of the time. So I, I don't think it's been as bad um, the last couple of weeks as it was um, maybe against like SNU. Um, and they're not having as many coverage breakdowns, which is a really big issue against Cal and against SNU. So like that part of the game is still getting cleaned up, but that's the thing that I see that's consistent that is most concerning still is that they are still not taking great angles and that they're still um, missing tackles when they do get to the ball, which is concerning. The angles have been really bad. I mean, that's, that's been uh, a unique characteristic for a gear passion defense that I, I don't really understand. I mean, just guys that are out of position trying to come make plays and, and get lost. I'm going to, I'm going to hypothesize. I'm speak as, as, as we like to say, it works sometimes I'm speaking in rough draft. All right. So I'm like hypothesizing this, like, as we, as we talk live on the podcast, I think the, um, uh, the, the number of new faces and playing no face, new faces playing at new positions might be contributing to that because like, think about it. You've had Bradford who's uh, played multiple different positions this thus far this season you have tj carter who's played safety who's played corner who's played multiple safety positions you have josh foster who's a young guy um and you've got cj caesar who like we all know what cj caesar is at this point um so you have a lot of either young guys or in like carter's uh uh, case or bradford's case guys who are maybe more veteran but are maybe playing in positions that they're not super comfortable with and so they may not so all those regardless of what the reason is whether it's experience whether it's comfortable being comfortable with the position guys um, are not used to making plays from where they are at what from where they are on the on the field right or they're not used to making plays in the, in the case of the young guys like foster or davion armstead or or um or bud clark who um it sounds like is going to be missing a little bit of time with an injury which is also not great um but the, for the young guys, in their case, like they're just getting used to the speed of the game and they're getting asked to do a lot at the beginning. Um, and so the combination of having both of those scenarios, I feel like could be something that's kind of contributing to that. Guys who are not used to the positions that they're playing and not used to trying to make plays from wherever they're at on the field. And then younger guys who are just like, this is my first season out here actually trying to get out here and make some plays. And the Big 12's got some fast athletes out here in space and I'm not used to it. Um, so I think all that could be converging that was covered up before because you had Ardarius Washington, you had Trevon Merrick, um, who were just like lights out, knew what they were doing, knew where they needed to be all the time. Yeah. Uh, so kind of getting ready to wrap up here. I, I try to maintain a pretty solid rule of not, not calling out individual players as much as possible because I like to remind myself that I'm a grown man and these are 18 to 22 year old young guys trying to, you know, do their best to make things happen. Um, The CJ Caesar situation is getting bad. Like it's, it's been tough. And we know you play corner in this defense, you're playing a lot of man coverage. You're going to get beat. Uh, We've seen a lot of guys struggle game after game and end up having great careers, but the Noah Daniel situation, I don't have any Intel. I'm kind of at the point where I don't expect him to play. Like, if he plays, it's great. But I just don't really expect it. 
Um, but surely, I mean, I, I'm not grading every snap, but surely there's some other options to try at that second corner spot because it's it's just he's having a hard time. Man. They, yeah, it's and it's just tough because I think ideally, given like what they, I think probably expect their depth chart to be coming into the season or maybe at least in spring they you would have thought tom hodges thomason's your number one some combination of noah daniels if he's if he's healthy and available um and keon stewart are your two and three guys depending on situation or depending on who wins out in a competition whatever so i think they were expecting at at most in an in a in a perfect world you would think that cj caesar's your 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 nickel your dime guy uh, your, your fourth corner coming in and that's obviously not the case he's been asked to do a lot and like he's and and he's doing the best he can and like because like I said to his credit you know he 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 hustles hard he uh caught up with Thompson on that long on that long pass and 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 made the play to to keep Texas Tech from getting into the end zone at least on that play they did score on that drive later um but yes, yeah, so just having some blown coverage and everything. I think he's just being asked to do something that he's not equipped to do. And that's, that's not on him. That's not his fault. Um, to your point in terms of like who else we find, we, we did see some Donovan Collins out there for the, you know, I think it felt like to me, I don't know, I don't have a snap count in front of me, but it felt like, like the first significant number of snaps that I've seen him get this season. And I don't, I did not get the sense that he embarrassed himself. I actually saw Keontae Jenkins out there late in the game, um, which was a guy who I have been interested to see just because obviously because of his recruiting ranking and everything. Um, so like they have other guys, but you know, I think um, I don't, I'm not sure. I'm not sure against OU is the, is the best time to, to, to be tinkering with your cornerback rotation um, and, and putting some of those young guys out there. Um but it is, it, it's, they, they miss Keon Stewart a lot and they miss Noah Daniels a lot and it's showing. And it's just, you know, it's, like I said, it's not Caesar's fault. He's just getting put in a tough spot uh, with the personnel things and it's, it's not going well. So um, the hope is obviously that, um, you know, this coming week, they're able to get some more pressure on the quarterback and, and, and alleviate some of the pressure on the, on the DBs as much as possible. Um, I guess it's linking around the offense that, Looked really good against Texas. Once they figure out what they want to do at quarterback, right? Caleb Williams this week. That's what I'm. I'm guessing. Uh, we'll see. You know, he, he came in and was big in that game. And maybe they go back to Rattler. I don't know, but uh, that'd be my guess. And um, even though it's been a tough year, I, I like. I have some optimism about Gary facing the QB making his first ever career start. Uh, but yeah, that secondary against Marvin Mims and Hazelwood and all the different guys you have to cover. That's going to be difficult. So we'll see. We'll see how that plays out. Matt, thank you as always. Uh, this has been Locked on Horned Frogs, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day.